Hello, I'm Dr. Sam Hancock of the Emerald Planet and Emerald Planet TV. We come to you on a week-to-week -week basis from Washington, D.C. in the United States as we look around the globe in 144 different nations looking for those thousand best practices, the technology, services, and products that are making a difference as we move through the 21st century. And as we have a planet of 9 billion people by 2038 and possibly 12 to 13 billion by the end of this century, how are we going to be able to take care of all these people on planet Earth? And that's what Emerald Planet's all about. We come to you looking at the solutions, the best practices from around the globe as we create the Emerald Planet. Hello, welcome to the Emerald Planet. We're making a difference as we move through the 21st century. Seeing the long term impacts of climate change. But we're glad to have you. Thank you for being with us. Looking around the globe for those thousand best practices, we're always trying to learn from other societies and how we can improve our own. We have Dale Madaris, PhD. He is a senior regional planner with the Northern Virginia Regional Commission. And it's a very important organization that is transferring technologies from abroad into Northern Virginia and to be replicated across the United States. Dale, welcome to the Emerald Planet TV. Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, we're so glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about Northern Virginia Regional Commission, and then we have some exciting images that we want to share that shows what the work is that you're doing. Great. Well, thank you very much. We're, we're a regional council of governments. We represent the 13 local governments of, of Northern Virginia, everything in size from Dumfries, a few thousand, to Fairfax County. And my board is comprised of the mayors, the county commissioners, the local council members of the cities and towns of those jurisdictions. And I have the privilege of working with a, a, an omnibus portfolio focused on mostly climate, but all the relevant sustainability, economic and social issues as well. Now, what we're seeing here in this map, there is a tremendous diversity, even in Northern Virginia. Tell us a little bit about the similarities and then the differences and why both of these are so important to be served. Yeah, so um, it's important that the smaller local governments have a voice in sustainability issues. Um, so we are a, a, a convener of those different voices. Uh, so we bring to the table Fairfax County, again, very large, very politically influential government, but also towns like Herndon and Leesburg. And together we work to address um, issues like renewable energy, stormwater, a whole range of social and, and related economic issues. Well, I think it's really important, but looking at this, this is really cute. Uh, you do have a real purpose in, in showing these two images. Tell us what that is and why do we need to learn the very simple lessons that we're looking at right here? Thanks. Well, I think what really characterizes our sustainability work is the, 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 the purposeful way in which we engage internationally. And that's relevant in the context of these images because international work, quite frankly, is disparaged and rightfully so. It's seen as event-based kinds of activities that don't lead to any kinds of outcomes benefiting the work of a local jurisdiction, uh, or in worst case scenarios, it's seen as frivolous, wasteful travel. It's junkets and boondoggles, again, that don't improve 
a, a city's wastewater treatment or help the city or county's education system or ameliorate um, uh, drug addiction uh, or improve the, the standard of living for the citizens, which um, demand better and um, stronger services from their local government. Yeah, but the whole thing is what you're doing really is important and you're trying to learn lessons from abroad and hopefully not uh, duplicate uh, the destruction and the negative impacts of it, but actually how to improve the lives of the local citizens. So what are we learning here that we can bring in from abroad that really does help? So in the case of this particular image, it's simply to highlight that climate change is probably the most pressing environmental, social, economic challenge that we've got. And in the case of the city where I live, Alexandria, that's brought home every time the downtown uh, floods. And the relevance of the next slide is, again, we as Americans tend to think that we have all the answers and that it's not really worth looking overseas to help us. And yet the scale some of the challenges that we've got are absolutely massive. It's not just nuisance flooding or cleaning up in the aftermath of uh, storm surge from hurricanes in the case of Alexandria, but literally bridges are collapsing and it points to the importance of, of formally learning from what other countries do better than us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think this is something very important, Dale, that we really realize that America does not have all the answers. And we do need to look abroad and to look at it very seriously. And also the, the social issues. How is this addressed through your regional commission? Just like we're looking at uh, flooding and climate change and uh, infrastructure. Well, again, it's important to remember that the three-legged stool of sustainability is not just the environmental. It's the economic as well as the social. And despite the high levels of wealth, the high levels of education in Northern Virginia, our region, like other parts of the United States, uh, has uh, a lot of suffering. It's important in the context of uh, addressing that suffering that uh, also we learn from some of these really interesting, remarkable social programs overseas and find ways that we can apply them. Mm -hmm. And that's really very important. And I think this is really a wonderful image uh, because we can say, well, it's it's very pretty and we see the transportation aspects. But I think when you drill down, there's many lessons in this just one photograph. Yeah, and it's not just the aesthetics of looking at a green set of tracks. It's the uh, integration of um, multimodal transit concepts. It's the urban heat island mitigation. It's the noise abatement. It's the holistic approach that really represents is embodied by so many cities, in this case, like Freiburg, Germany, from which we can learn. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at uh, this photograph, let's just stay here for uh, just another minute. Looking at this, what can we actually incorporate into the cities as we currently have them constituted in Northern Virginia or downtown Washington, D.C., Southern Maryland? How do we do that so that we actually have these improvements, we can actually learn from it, but increase and enhance the quality of life for all the citizens that you have in your Northern Virginia Regional Commission? Well, that's a really good question, and we can get into that later in parts of the discussion. Um, simply put, it means more than just looking at a pretty slide like this. It means putting together the right groups of planners, the right groups of technicians, the right groups of elected officials to take images like this 
and then figure out how a suitable adoption process, in the case of Washington DC and K Street, um, light rail can be adopted. And that's in fact what actually happened. Uh, or how we can take other examples and using the same formula, figuring out the, 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 the ways in which these got developed uh, and applied abroad, how they fit into the unique cultural, technical, environmental planning context of, of Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful. Looking at the uh, renewable energy, this is something that's very important because Europe is uh, dependent on virtually all of its outside resources. What can we learn for Northern Virginia from the examples they have, say, in Germany, Switzerland, Belgium, many other countries that actually are switching almost exclusively into renewables? Oh, that's a great question. And that's the subject of a whole nother Emerald Planet television interview with you, Sam. I but, just knew you were planning the next one. That's right. But the short answer to that is, is it's already being done. Um, this is an image from a wind farm just outside Stuttgart, Germany, with which we worked very closely for many, many years. And the 20-year the conversations that we've been having with the Germans have actually helped inform and translate um, large amounts of policy changes, um, not just in our region, but across the Commonwealth and, and the country. Um, Virginia now has asked to build the largest wind off, offshore wind farm in the United States. It's been informed in part by some of the work that we've been doing with the Germans and other European countries for the past 20 years. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Incorporating uh, into the aesthetics a uh, solar energy, renewable energy, why is that important and how it can it be done uh, with the existing structures that we actually have in this region? Yeah, that's a good question. So Virginia now actually has a, a climate target and we aspire to be climate neutral by 2050. And yet we have a fraction of the uh, renewables that we need to apply to reach that target. So um, it's not just the muscle and the, um, the, the, the excitement that we need to bring from within our own local governments and, and communities. It's how we um, strengthen our own domestic programs by looking abroad. It's the holistic ap approach that, again, from um, cities like Freiburg, that we draw and, and learn. We're not going to make it um, uh, on the current trajectory unless we study and understand how we adopt and accelerate the applications of renewable energies. So that's everything from the research side of things to green design, um, to the holistic approach that cities like Freiburg have used. Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic. This is really a very beautiful uh, image, uh, something we've been working on with Washington DC as far as the stormwater and groundwater uh, control capture and processing. But this is really a beautiful aesthetic, but yet it's very practical. Yeah, this is from Potsdamer Platz in Berlin and the landscape architect that developed that actually helped us with the four mile run watershed restoration program. Mm -hmm. It highlights again that um, the, the power of natural systems, you don't have to rely on just purely mechanical, you can rely on creative designs, green infrastructure that will help us um, treat our water, purify it, and also create um, places that we need to, that we want to go to in, in, our, in our cities. Now, looking at this, how is this really helping as far as this balance of the land, water, and air, as far as purifying it and making it a better environment for all citizens, 
that uh, live here and, and live in this existing city. Yeah, so this is an interesting system where the, the rain waters, the, the storm water from the roofs or from the, um, the plazas are captured and treated through this natural treatment system before they're discharged into the, the canal and ultimately the, the Spray River. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Everything is a very interesting uh, structure here. Uh, we're just about out of time, but looking at this, what are we doing? What are we seeing here that's so important on, again, this balance between environment, economy, and civil society development? Yeah, I think the, the simple answer is, is it's the beauty of holistic design where an inclusion. It's, it's a playground that functions environmentally, but also socially. It's multi-generational, it's multifunctional, mitigates urban heat, but also includes many, many different generations and peoples. And I think that that's the virtue of that kind of planning from which we can learn. Yeah, and this is something I think, Dale, that's very important that all the generations get to come together to learn from each other and uh, do it in a very holistic manner. Looking at your Northern Virginia Regional Commission, what do you see over the next five, 10 or 15 years? We have to be quick, we've got about 30 seconds. Uh, as far as moving forward and internationalizing this area in a very positive manner? I think to sustain the really um, purposeful, structured, strategic work that we've done. Um, we have a, a, a plan. We have three core components that comprise that plan of international engagement. And it's unilateral transfers of lessons. It's strategic focus on a handful of priority countries with which we work. And partnerships with our region's academic, science, um, inst uh, cultural, commercial institutions, and civil society organizations to help us accelerate the transfer and adoption of those innovations from overseas. That's absolutely fantastic. This is uh, Dale Maderas, PhD with the Northern Virginia Regional Commission. Thank you for being with us as we create the Emerald Planet. Thank you so much. We're talking about Northern Virginia, the Northern Virginia Regional Commission, and an area that's really one of the economic engines of this entire region of the Mid-Atlantic in the United States. But a lot of that, which we're not aware of, is coming from the international influences that's being brought and incorporated here by a gentleman, Dale Maderas, PhD, Senior Regional Planner for the Northern Virginia Regional Commission. And he's going to be talking about some of his work and also the special international business model. So, Dale, welcome to the Emerald Planet TV. Thank you very much, Sam. Now, tell us why an international business model for Northern Virginia? Yeah, because so much international work at the local level is not strategic. Um, I can't think of a single city or county in the United States that has an actual plan that identifies priorities, outcomes, and then filters out countries and issues with which it will work and focus versus those which it will not and ignore. And so what we've developed is quite special and I'd love to share it with you if I may. Oh, we're really glad to have you. Now we have the Northern Virginia region, the map, and uh, if you'll just review a little bit what that is and the importance of it, uh, but we have the globe of the earth. And why yeah. is it so important that we're joining these two together? 
So there are three core components of our plan. First and foremost, as communicated in this image, is the unilateral, that's the critical term, unilateral transfers of lessons from overseas that have an economic and environmental or a social outcome benefiting Northern Virginia. That helps us keep focused on the fundamental work of our local authorities, of our members, and saves us from the criticism that international work is just about wasteful junkets and frivolous trips. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's very important, but I tell you, when you look at the pedigree uh, from which is launching this international business model, uh, this is quite impressive. So uh, we want to give uh, due reference to the ones that are here, just quickly go through each of these and how they may be contributing. Yeah, thanks. Well, this is a snapshot of the partners with which we work, a very, very modest, tiny sample of the, the, the commercial, the, the governmental, the, the scientific, the research partners on whom we rely to transfer these lessons. So many institutions like George Mason University have faculty, students, staff that have worked overseas and they're familiar with some of these technical and, and, and policy aspects of renewable energy or of, of um, stormwater modeling that can help us apply these lessons. We've got support from Dominion Energy, Rehau, which is a, a German business based outside Nuremberg in the business of geothermal heating cooling systems. The government, we get support from the embassies, but our members are critical governmental partners as well. So it's, it's a very, very um, uh, diverse mm -hmm. collection of partners, but are fundamental to our, our work. Right. And I think it's very important, the robust nature of this. Uh, but looking at uh, what's abroad, what we're being able to apply here, uh, let's, we're going to go through a number of these and just tell us what we're seeing and then how it's very positively influencing what's going on within the Northern Virginia region. Well, it's easy when you work internationally again because of the poor track record at the local level of global engagement to disparage the, the work. And what we simply want to communicate is that when we engage, we do it strategically, we do it in a purposeful context, and it emanate, it, it results in outcomes benefiting uh, our sustainability work. So on the left, you have some images of green rooftops in Stuttgart, Germany. On the right is an application of those innovations over a thoughtful, sustained process to communicate codes, ideas, designs uh, that made their way to Arlington County Court, um, um, Hall, um, government um, government, the government center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the whole thing about this too, when we're looking at it, is the fact is that we're actually increasing and enhancing the quality of life of all citizens in Northern Virginia. And I think that's the way we have to look at it. And I believe that's why all the local governments really buy into this concept of the international business model. Yeah, and so again, the Community Energy Plan of Arlington County on the right was massively informed by not just Stuttgart, as in the case of um, the image on the left, which was a, an old U.S. Army barracks that was uh, that embodied transit-oriented development. That's the, the, the highlighted by the blue, the, the trolley, the stations, mm -hmm. it's energy applications. It's the combined heat power. Um, it was the comprehensive, holistic approach that we studied and then applied, not just to Arlington, but also Loudoun and. and other aspects of our energy and sustainability work. 
Mm-hmm. I tell you, it's, it's really phenomenal what we're seeing. Uh, going to wastewater treatment, uh, being creating uh, what we're now calling new water. This is something that's critical in these times of climate change, uh, times when we have too much water, how we process it, times when we don't have enough. So what are we learning in this image, Dale? Thanks. Well, the excitement of this is that um, we actually had entities that um, separate from our, our, our international work, which started 20 years ago, um, had been engaged in a sustained process of learning about some technical innovations and applying them. The image on the right is the Alexander Renew Wastewater Treatment Plant. The image on the left is a wastewater treatment plant from Innsbruck, Austria. And the technology that Alexandria adopted was a um, nitrogen extraction technology that was highly efficient, um, produced results that far exceeded those that were being attained in Alexandria and were very, very cost effective. It's just common sense that when these kinds of technologies as approaches uh, are identified, figuring out how they could be um, adopted. And for us, it is uh, representative of that constellation of partners that we want to bring into our and expand our business model. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole thing about this, uh, too, looking at it, Dale, is actually you're able to bring in these technologies, the ideas, the processes, actually reducing the cost to the taxpayer within your local communities. How do you explain that to the local people, saying what we're learning from abroad, one, is it's giving you possibly superior lifestyle, but also it's lowering your cost. Yeah, so it's uh, part of a a long-term process of communication. It's not just relying on pretty images of solar panels on buildings and leaving uh, our elected officials and their staff with the impression that it's just add water and stir. Mm-hmm. It's a formal process of digging up the data about performance measures using apples to apples quantitative metrics, and then outlining how these innovations from places like Stuttgart could be adopted into the unique policy framework of um, a place like Arlington County or Fairfax County. Mm-hmm. Easy, but it can be done, and it can be done very successfully. Mm-hmm. As as we're testing here, uh, and going to this policy issue, uh, this is something again. We think we have the most brilliant people on the earth and the best educated and all that, uh, but there's equally uh, well educated and brilliant people abroad. And how does this reflect into the policies uh, and the long term perspective of planning that you're getting out of uh, these best practices from different countries? in Northern Europe. Yeah, well, this is this is, um, this is is an example too of some of the fun that we can have. So uh, we did a webinar um, for uh, an architect and his team outside Stuttgart. They're specialists in green infrastructure, green walls, um, mobile green lounges. And we um, have had a, a long-term conversation with him over the past 12 months about how these ideas that he's applied successfully can be applied here. One potential, this is just hypothetical, but one potential could be outside, um, you know, applications of green walls for some of the data centers in Loudoun County. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and also too, if you look at the, the whole aspect of green roofs, uh, the image that we have here from Loudoun County, it looks like that'd be a perfect candidate uh, if it's so structured uh, to be producing most of its electricity right there in its own roof. Yeah, of course, absolutely. 
Now, this is something that uh, I really enjoyed this, uh, these juxtaposition images, uh, very different, uh, but yet it was a germ of idea that you felt like uh, could be applied here in Northern Virginia. Yeah, so this was an extension of the last set of images that you just shared. Um, the, the, the landscape design firm outside Stuttgart also specializes in green mobile lounges. Um, they have helped cool some of the hot or hotter urban city centers of Germany. They've also created these wonderful amenities for all people. And we think that there could be a potential um, at a place like Alexandria in front of City Hall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Of course, when you have a creative mind like yours, uh, just put you down in the middle of all this and you figure, uh, there's probably a 15 different ideas that I can extract from this. And I think that's the, the brilliance of what you're doing as far as the international business model uh, is concerned. Uh, dealing with water, wastewater, the flooding. Uh, I know I have uh, installed uh, three rain gardens uh, right here in our urban forest in downtown Washington, D.C. And one of those rains, the second day that, that after it had been installed, we had nine inches of rain, absorbed all that within 30 minutes afterwards, couldn't even tell we had a shower. So what oh. are we learning from abroad that we really must be applying because of the negative impacts of climate change? Well, the image on the left is uh, representative, I think, of how thoughtful the Germans, in this case, um, a tributary of the Neckar River outside Stuttgart, have fused the gray and the green. Um, that's just the reality. We can't live entirely without the gray infrastructure. We have to incorporate it into allow the green. Mm -hmm. Potential applications of what they've done on the Rems River on the left for, for example, mitigating um, uh, flooding or promoting resiliency along watersheds like Fort Mile Run. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, this is something that most of us forget when the gray and the green, how you really do have to have a green infrastructure, but it doesn't always look like it's green, but yet it's serving a very uh, useful purpose. So as we uh, move forward and uh, renewable energy and uh, using the sun, the wind, even low flow hydro, hydrogen, many of others, what do we need to be learning from abroad that we really can apply here? Uh, and this is going to be one of the last questions. Yeah, well, the excitement of this image was that on the left is uh, one of my board members, and council members from the city of Alexandria, and my friend John Chapman. We were together at an applied environmental research program in Berlin, Germany. It's on an old polluted gas works that was revitalized. And um, it was not just the innovation. Uh, or the applications of um, electrical vehicle infrastructure charging. It, it, there are many innovations. And we thought, wouldn't it be exciting to explore the possibility of creating such an innovation center to place such as uh, an old um, coal burning power plant in North Alexandria. So uh, again, it's, it's, the, it's the totality of, of, of the learning and, and, and the the value in looking at not just one aspect of um, electrical vehicle infrastructure, it's the applied research. There's many, many parts that lead yeah. to this. It's absolutely fantastic. This is Dale Maderas, PhD, Senior Regional Planner, the Northern Virginia Regional Commission, as we create the Emerald Planet.
Talking about the Northern Virginia Regional Commission, it's really interesting how the NVRC is actually bringing the world into not only Northern Virginia, but spreading many good ideas, the best practices, the solutions across the United States. Uh, this is a very important job, but at the same time, many people don't realize this is actually going on. So we have a gentleman that's joining us, Dale Medeiros, PhD, Senior Regional Planner for the Northern Virginia Regional Commission. is going to talk about the various things that we're learning from overseas and how these future applications are really going to help to change, to address climate change, to improve the environment, but also to enhance the economy and civil society development. Dale, welcome back to the Emerald Planet TV. Thank you very much, Sam. Now, looking at, uh, I'm going to let you introduce uh, this gentleman who uh, really has a very important part in the founding of the, the green infrastructure, the green nature of the United States. Uh, and what was his role? And why is it so important that we have to learn from the past, apply it in the current state, and then take it into the future? Yeah, well, thanks. Well, Gifford Pinchot is considered the father of the American um, Forest Service. And, and the purpose of sharing this image is, is that um, when local governments, when we start the formal process of learning from abroad, it's so easy for critics to say, yeah, but we're America. Uh, if it wasn't invented here, forget it. Nothing will adopt. Nothing will transfer. Nothing can get applied. We're just so unique. There's, you know, we're Americans, we're exceptional. And the, the purpose of this image really is to communicate that learning from abroad is actually in our political DNA. You know, 150 years ago, this was part of a very, very aggressive effort to learn from other countries. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of the, the Forest Service, when you look at what Stephen Mather did, when he put together the Park Service, he was looking at resource conservation and management practices in Switzerland. Our, our education system, the, the entire American university system was informed by universities in Munich and in Berlin. Social security was coming at the same time. So this, this formal learning got lost um, over the last couple of decades. And what I'm trying to call to everyone's attention is, is that there was a past in which this was firmly ensconced in all aspects of government, formal, purposeful learning from abroad and applying innovations and lessons. It was part of our, our DNA. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very important that we do this. And of course, many societies, uh, particularly after World War II, came here because of the destruction of Europe, almost obliteration of uh, Japan and, and many countries in Asia. And so they came here. So this exceptionalism it really is a new phenomenon of the United States because we were constantly going abroad and learning. So this beautiful scene that we have right here in front of us, Dale, how does this inform us of the better nature that we have and the better nature that we want to create, both as a people, uh, but as the environment around us? Well, it was an example of what Gifford Pinchot started as soon as he returned from Germany. Pinchot spent, uh, I think, the better part of a year and a half, maybe even two years, studying forestry management and conservation practices in France and in Germany. And when he came back, he was commissioned to do some work in North Carolina around the Biltmore Estate. And this was the first most concrete examples of, of that very successful transfer of forestry practices. 
that led, as I suggested earlier, to this powerful transformation of, of environmental policy and, 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 and programs of our country. Yeah, and also at the same time as just looking at uh, the Biltmore Estate, the architecture and the flair, the style, the quality, uh, the permanence that we really brought in from Europe. And of course, now many societies are doing the same thing in reverse. But we really need to go back to our roots and realize where we came from. And so looking at the modern day society, I mean, uh, how much more different can you get from this? Uh, building into this, but yet it's all part of the uh, the American society, and and a lot of this again was borrowed from abroad. Yeah. So the purpose of this image was to highlight that um, uh, it wasn't just green infrastructure or forestry, but the 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 applications in the Commonwealth hmm. from abroad. In this particular case, of industrial ecology from Denmark. And the image on the right was the ecological industrial park, at Cape Charles, Virginia. Um, Bill McDonough, together with a team from EPA 20, 25 years ago, um, came together and wanted to explore how this idea of industrial symbiosis could play out uh, near an old brownfield site um, in, 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 on the eastern shore of, of Virginia. Mm -hmm. So we had a small hand to play in bringing over some of the experts, the designers, the elected officials to look at the this is back when I was at the Environmental Protection Agency, mm -hmm. how the Kalundborg Ecological Industrial Park could be applied to Cape Charles. Yeah, and it's just amazing uh, the metamorphosis all this has gone through. Uh, but looking at solar being incorporated as a roof system, uh, being a part of uh, development as far as subdivisions are concerned, why is that so important for a area like Northern Virginia? Well, the, the, this image communicates what we were able to adopt in terms of solar mapping. The, the, the Germans in some regions like Stuttgart have done an absolutely uh, incredible job of mapping assets and attributes uh, related to solar. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could do something similar? So again, over um, a very sustained period of exchange, communication, technical visits, we took concepts from the solar atlas of not just Stuttgart, but Bottrop, and applied them into our own solar mapping that um, are fundamental to the Solarize NOAA program. Uh, now, this is a really an interesting uh, use of uh, international influence and, and style and process. And uh, we were sharing this uh, together the other day. Uh, tell us the the origin and how it's now being used in Northern Virginia. Well, I think it highlights the importance of green design concepts coming over from from in this case places like Germany and making their way in 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 the Mosaic District of Fairfax. And you know, you could argue that the new National Gallery on the left from Berlin is not maybe the embodiment of green design, but really the message was a that uh, the successful precedent of ideas coming from overseas, being adopted right here in our backyard, B, um, the fun that you can have with this work, and then C, this will relate to a slide that I'll share with everybody else later on down the road that ties into some really fun, creative work um, involving brownfields revitalization, mm -hmm. arts and design. 
and the whole thing about it making it fun i think this is something uh, i like uh, in your conversation and uh, looking at this and uh, you're going to explain what this is but how the essence of fun and how the essence of beauty we need to incorporate that into everything that we have how can we learn from abroad how to do this and do it much better than we've had in the past yeah so thanks so it's um this is a an old steel factory in duisburg germany that was converted into a park and the steel factory was once upon a time the model of economic viability for the region it was coal and steel mm -hmm. um, the economic transformation and global shifts led to the closure of the steel factory and the neglect the derelict status of the steel factory led to a low self-esteem and despair among, among the people. So um, in the Ruhr Valley, they put together over a 20-year period this remarkable program called the International Building Exhibition Emshire Park. Green was fundamental to the revitalization process on a very, very large scale. We're talking something almost the size of Delaware. Mm. Um, but they incorporated the, the arts as well. And I think that that's what's part of the, the joy of the learning process is that um, green and all the engineering innovations that I've shared with you in the other earlier slides were absolutely fundamental to the regeneration, the renewal of, of this region. Um, but so was the artistic component. And I think that this is what is valuable in terms of um, this particular slide. Right. And I think that's very important, Dale, that we look at every aspect of this. And I think that's what I've been very impressed with you is the balance that you want to bring. It's not only just the environment, the economy, civil society development, but also it's the culture, the arts, the history, the language, uh, even the food is being reflected throughout uh, many of these examples that you're sharing with us. And I think that's equally important. And then getting down to the necessity of just how do we clean the air, take care of the land, and also process the water, just like in this? So this image was also important because um, it highlights the, 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 the joy, the sense of peace uh, that can be created in some of these old derelict brownfield sites, the power of green. Um, and there are some interesting facts about the redevelopment of a lot of these projects, which is, yeah, it took a lot to clean them up and turn them into parks. There's also um, an economic payback. There are restaurants, there are cultural events at these parks that um, have ended up or resulted in the project basically paying for itself. Yeah, and this is uh, something uh, your uh, ancestral country of uh, Portugal, I've traveled uh, much of that country. And there's so many examples of how they've taken something very old, made it very new, but kept it uh, very Portuguese, which I, I just think that balance is just uh, absolutely incredible. And I think this goes to the heart of what you were just saying, Dale, as far as turning this in where people actually go, they enjoy, but it's also an economic engine. Yeah. So this is the, the, the third of the three images of Duisburg Nord, the former steel factory. And again, representative, the, the real creativity that was applied to the revitalization of this, you know, could just as easily be found in places like Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, or Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and they took the ore bunkers and changed them 
into places where people can practice rappelling and mountain climbing. It's my understanding that this part of Germany, which is very, very flat, has the highest concentration of alpine certified tr uh, trainers north of Frankfurt, or climbers north of Frankfurt. And um, th there was actually thought given to, I think, a USX site outside Chicago for a similar concept. Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever took root, but it was fun to try to, to share the idea and see if it could be applied. I think it's absolutely fantastic. We have just a couple of more. I'm just going to breeze through these, but looking at the concepts that you've just shared with us, Dale, how would you encapsulate that for our viewers, both here and abroad, about how we need to think about, again, economy, environment, and community development in ways that maybe we've never thought about it before? Yeah, so this is an example of the transfer of Duisburg Nord to Buffalo, New York, where the old grain elevators along the Buffalo River, which were inspirations for Mies van der Rohe and Walter Gropius. Gropius did the New National Gallery, which was the museum in the image um, a few earlier. Um, this is how everything has come full circle. We're taking these ideas from these old revitalized steel factories and park, re park creation initiatives and applying them into Buffalo. And then with Amsterdam and New Orleans, we're seeing a similar transfer process of resiliency. How we come from the Dutch in ways that embody not just positive, healthy design, but promote social inclusion. Fantastic. Dale Maderas, thank you for being with us as we create the Emerald Planet. Thank you. We're looking at the area called Northern Virginia on the East Coast, the Mid-Atlantic of the United States, and also the work that's being done by the Northern Virginia Regional Commission and why that's so wonderfully important. We have Del Maderas, who is the PhD in the Regional Planner with the Northern Virginia Regional Commission. And we're talking about the rotor head and some of the fun things that can be done but also very important for the economy and the environment at the same time. So Dale, welcome to the Emerald Planet TV. Thanks very much, Sam. Glad to have you here. And I'm gonna go right into the images that you shared with us. Why is it so important in modern day society that we really, what we're doing is that, I guess there's a concept called reforestation, uh, rewilding the cities. And why is it so important that we bring nature that we've pushed away from the cities? Now we want to have it more back into the center of the cities. Why is this happening? Yeah, well, looking ahead, you know, some of the themes that are going to become really important for us, especially in light of the pandemic, is how do we, how do we create complete streets? How do we uh, uh, allow people opportunities to escape the confines of their apartments and make life palatable, if not happy and sustainable um, outside our houses and outside our apartment. And so the example, for instance, or the purpose of this slide is to highlight what the Germans are doing to promote not just, you know, um, a zero emissions uh, transportation system, but um, really being creative and thoughtful in the applications of bike lanes that are green, that are aesthetic, they work, they draw people. 
Yeah, and I think this is really important, but also it's just like converting the streets. Uh, I know that we do this uh, periodically, uh, maybe the farmer's markets or uh, we'll have some holiday or some uh, major event. But how do we green the streets and allow people to really take back over ownership? And the ownership really doesn't rest with the automobiles and the trucks going through, but the people feel like they really own their own streets again. That's a great question. And that's what's going to occupy planners for uh, the short and the long term on a whole range of issues. And what we're seeing in the case of this image from Berlin is a demonstration of complete streets. Um, and particularly in light of the stress that we all experience with a pandemic. And this is something is, is gonna, um, I'm gonna come back to in, in subsequent slides. But what we crave is opportunities to get out that are safe. And I think that it's this image that embodies everything, the green, the, the social distancing, and the, uh, but the vitality that can still be brought into um, urban centers, even amidst this um, horrible pandemic that we are all sharing together globally. Yeah, and the whole thing about this too is that I'm gonna go between these two slides. You know, we have a low rise, it's very green. Uh, you can just feel it around you. Of course, it helps to cool the streets and the area absorbing carbon. Uh, but then again, going out into nature, uh, you know, this is something uh, Dale could be, you know, 300 miles away or it could be right down the street. So how yeah. do we mesh this together so that all this really does come into the urban areas? Uh, again, this concept of wilding the cities, uh, which are, we're talking about in a very different way of uh, nature and the world of green. So the purpose, this is an image from um, a park in Berlin. And again, the pandemic called to everyone's attention, the importance of redesigning, reconfiguring, or bringing old ideas that worked really well in the past back into the present. And the ravenous desire that we all experienced during, especially the lockdown, to get out, to, to regenerate ourselves, to, to feel healthy and good, in parks is something that's going to stay with us for a long, long time. So obviously an image before the pandemic, but this is something that's going to stay front and center for planners and sustainability experts for a long time. How do we expand the parks so that we lose them and we can feel safe and at the same time not abuse them so that they continue to give us the relief that we are going to seek? Yeah, and this whole thing about uh, the parks and incorporating the, the green into it, uh, we see these, uh, in essence, Olympic-sized swimming pools and how important they are uh, for youth, even adults. But at the same time is that we have to have more green around uh, such structures in order to really keep the air and the soil and the water clean. So how do we balance that, Dale, so that we really do uh, have all three of these in the back of our minds, but we're realizing it in, in real time and real life. So part of what we all experienced this summer was not just the suffering of the pandemic, but the awakening culturally um, of, 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 of social inclusion, the importance of social inclusion. 
So global climate change is going to make things warmer. And what we need in public spaces is to seek relief. And part of the legacy, unfortunately, of public pools in the United States is social exclusion. There's a famous image of the former Congressman John Lewis protesting outside Cairo, Illinois, the uh, exclusion of the African-American community. And I think that we, the, the, the benefit of this image, which is just outside Stuttgart, is that they look at the parks, again, holistically. Mm -hmm. It's not a concrete bin filled with chlorinated water. It's a multifunctional space. It's open to all generations because there are multiple uses, multiple services that are being offered by the city to escape relief. They're going to be safe. You don't have to crowd around just that narrow concrete rim of the pool. You have opportunities to get out, stay physically distant, seek relief in, in the forest, walk, have a meal, lie out with your friends, your family. It's not just that piece of concrete. It's the park that's woven into the fabric of the rest of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is really important. I thought this was uh, very interesting. I know there's a, a park outside of Chicago that looks very similar to this, uh, designed by a Brazilian, and really from much of the, the same concept. Tell us about this. So this is the Holocaust Memorial in Berlin, right across from the American Embassy. And part of the awakening that we experienced this summer relates directly to sustainability. As I shared earlier, sustainability has three legs. It's not just the environmental or the economic, it's the social. Mm -hmm. So the, the next two images are rich because again, they convey the confidence that ideas from cities like Berlin can make their way into places like the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm -hmm. The designers creatively took the concept of the undulated landscape from the Holocaust Memorial and incorporated it here into um, in, in, in Montgomery, Alabama, where it becomes even more relevant in the case of the city of Alexandria, the town of Leesburg, uh, and other localities of Northern Virginia and across the Commonwealth is, is that they're going to have to take receipt of those columns. And that's going to beg the question then, okay, where do we put those columns in Alexandria or in now, having these uh, the multi-levels as far as the cities are concerned, we're seeing that not only, uh, I guess you would call this the gray structures, meaning the buildings uh, themselves, but also among the green, uh, how you have multi-levels of the canopy that we're looking into. But how do we incorporate that into the buildings? We see some of the green roofs here. What else? It's in here that's important, Dale, that maybe we're really not seeing, but yet equally important. What I think is really important, and the last two slides of this presentation will sort of summer highlight that even further, is, is that food waste, mm -hmm. um, surplus food re redistribution, and uh, organic recycling are one of the biggest challenges that we've, we, we confront. And looking abroad to again in the case of this berlin for these little community gardens they're called schrebergarten in german i think are going to be really important in, in information sources for how we begin to um, adopt new lessons concerning not just urban agriculture but again food waste mitigation surplus food food redistribution mm -hmm. and also how we can incorporate that into the green space uh, as far as nutrients for the plants, because, you know, it's nutrients from plants. Uh, again, talk, us, 
take us where we are right now, Dale. And again, the importance of this and how we need to have this combination use of a resource, whether it's a lake, it's a, a river, a stream, uh, and also the forest around us, but at the same time to allow humans to come in and socialize, be together. So if you want to social distance, great. Uh, if you want to be with your family, you can do it as well. Public pools in Germany, but also to the green and gray infrastructure convergence of the Rems River just outside Stuttgart. This happens to be the convergence of the Rems River with the Neckar River. It's um, a, a public beach that the, our counterparts in the Regional Planning Agency of Stuttgart, Germany orchestrated. Um, and it's a wonderful demonstration uh, of how gray and green have come together to create a really, really important public amenity, which is places where people can go, public space, to seek relief from the heat, but also seek pleasure. It's, it's, it's a multifunctional asset. You can do concerts, you can spend the whole day. There's restaurants um, just behind the trees, um, beautiful inter um, uh, regional bike path system. Everything just comes together right there at yeah. this particular project. It really is beautiful. And this is a uh, beautiful photograph, and I'm glad that you shared this with us. Tell us what we're seeing here and in the integration of the urban, the built environment, and the natural environment, but also uh, intensive agriculture at the same time. Yeah, um, just the powerful importance of how, again, in places like Stuttgart, they have so creatively, thoughtfully, beautifully linked green with gray. The urban form is clearly defined. The green is allowed to thrive, creates the kinds of assets that I've shared with uh, you and, and our audience over the course of um, the, this and the other presentations. But it's, again, green can fundamentally be part of the urban fabric. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also something we too, we, uh, we tend to forget gray is also a very important part of that. Uh, we're always trying to get uh, rid of more of the gray, have more of the green, but really it's uh, what you're doing, Dale, it's, it's about the balance. And this is going to the food waste and uh, getting that in, and we're just about out of time. But how do we take, uh, you know, this food waste, the whole nature of uh, camaraderie, companionship, and translate that into what you've created in Northern Virginia? And you got to do all that in about 15 seconds. So, so this is aspirational. This is a scene from Berlin. Berlin to uh, immigrants, uh, refugees from Syria, Africa, around the world, brought them together to with their with the, the German community and through cooking. And food recycling was part of that uh, conversation. There are 26 chapters of this program. It's called Looking Beyond the Edge of the Plate, or Thinking mm -hmm. of the Box would be a, an approximate translation. And they bring together, it's a wonderful message of of sustainability, social inclusion, multicultural assimilation over food, and food surplus food redistribution. That's absolutely incredible. Well, thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll go out on this because we have to take care of this. Uh, this is Del Maderas of the Northern Virginia Regional Commission. Thank you for being with us throughout this time as we create the Emerald Planet. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure, a real honor.